Hi, everyone. This is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Thursday, January 16th, 2020. My second podcast since recovering, and that is an appropriate word, recovering from CES. Um, very excited to do today's podcast. Uh, for those of you who have read my um, columns in Forbes, I'm always on the lookout for really cool and interesting technology. And there's a company that I stumbled on oh, about a year ago called Marseille. And Marseille makes a very interesting product. If you're a gamer, you're going to love this podcast. It's a product called M Classic. Well, they actually make a few products, but their, their hottest new product is called M Classic. And it's essentially a product that allows you to upscale your video game experience very inexpensively. It's an adapter, like a dongle that plugs into a um, HDMI cable. You plug it into your TV and you're off to the races. So I want to really spend the next uh, 20 minutes talking about this very, very cool product. And I'm very fortunate today to have with me Amin Shabin, who is the CEO of Marseille. He's a very colorful character, which you'll learn about in a few seconds. Amin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Mark. It's always great to, uh, to see you. <laughs> great. Uh, let's, we just got back from CES. Um, yeah, it was the zoo, man. It was a zoo. In fact, we were supposed to do this podcast a couple of days ago, but Amin, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing at, uh, in CES. What happened in Vegas? He stayed in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, I hope well. I well, now recovered. You know? <laughs> well, unfortunately, you're cold and stay in Vegas. <laughs> And uh, But anyway, I, I want to talk a little bit about, first of all, before we get into the product itself, yeah. let's talk a, a bit about your background because that really maps very nicely mm -hmm. to the products we're, we're going to talk about because it really ha it has a, you know, and uh, you folks are obviously this is a podcast, you can't see it, but once you get a chance to see some of the videos on Marseille's website, it really is a transformational experience to see what this, what this little tiny product can do from a video upscaling standpoint. But uh, before we get into that, let's talk, uh, I mean, about yeah. your background. No, thanks. Uh, you know, as you know, with uh, my French accent, you'll probably figure out very quickly if you hear me for the first time. Yeah, he's not, I mean, it's not Italian. You know, it's not my <laughs> fault, you know. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so Marseille, of course, is a, is a little um, uh, flashback and, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, can we just start this one? <laughs> we cannot start again. Keep going, I mean. All right, bro, all right. So, you know, basically, quickly move out of France and move in Silicon Valley in 1996. Uh, you know, at that time, way back in 1995, I was having the privilege to work in Switzerland in a research lab, uh, you know, on signal processing. Right. And at that time, we had a supercomputer, the Cray 200, 256 processor running in parallel to do video processing, subband decomposition, and mm -hmm. so on and so on. I was lucky enough to be part of a C-Cube microsystem between 1996 to 2000. And this was an amazing experience where we really have worked on so many video products, whether it was for compression, MPEG-1, MPEG-2, encoder, decoders, and so on and so on. And here I am uh, by 2005, become a reluctant CEO, a bunch of engineers, including myself. A reluctant CEO. You don't hear that in Silicon Valley yes. that often. That no, I was, I was a happy, I was born happy, that's, that's <laughs> for sure. But I was still a happy engineer. So, you know, the idea of starting a company and uh, especially uh, being the CEO of the company, that was not something that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, but from one discussion to another discussion, we realized that, uh, you know, there was an interesting challenge to tackle at that time. That's way back in 2005. As engineers, you know, I was getting really frustrated by uh, this industry because it's capital intense, it's very risky, work like, you know, four years, two to four years on a chip. And by the time the chip was coming out, too often, 
uh, if you develop application specific standard chip like uh, you know company like Broadcom who is no longer around uh, you know Nvidia Qualcomm you know where you're really not do developing a general purpose processor one of the challenge for us was to get all the right feature set at the right time uh, but knowing that the product development could take two four years five years in some cases right. you know the gamble was huge so the company was born on the promises of what we call virtual silicon and the idea was developing some rapid prototyping platform that will allow you to really drastically accelerate uh, mitigate the risk of the product development by empowering the high volume consumer and manufacturers and to that, And that's a great observation because, uh, you know, and mm. many, many members of the audience may not realize this, but, you know, silicon investments, but when you're building a chip, <laughs> it's not an inexpensive thing. No. Now, I'm, again, if you're in the high tech space, you, oh, that's a very obvious point. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're going to go into a, a business and I was going to invest money in it, you know, it's, it's also a business that requires just a, lot, a tremendous amount of capital expense. Yes. And this whole notion of, 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 of virtual um, silicon, ASIC design, yeah, yeah. silicon design, that's a relatively new concept. It's only Correct. been around. But so, so, so at that time, we were, we were ahead of ourselves. That was way back 2005. You know, you had two schools at that time. You had company doing, uh, you know, uh, rapid prototyping with FPGAs. You have like uh, software we're doing what they called the virtualization, but that was 100% software. And we were like basically trying to come up with a pragmatic platform that was neither religious on hardware or software. And in real time, we will model how the future could look like. Right. And, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it was quite disruptive. You know, uh, it was difficult because the, the, the valley has transformed over the years. You know, uh, I don't know if we should still call ourselves Silicon Valley or Social Valley these days. Uh, you know, but for us who came in Silicon Valley mid nineties, uh, you know, this is how we made the, the you know, uh, the, this is how we made our bread, right? Doing developing those chips. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, as you know, necessity is matter of invention, and in the process of developing tools and platform that will accelerate the product development, mitigate the risk of what we were building. Uh, you know, we ended up developing some really advanced uh, video processing technology, algorithms and model. And we went on, I personally went all around the world in Taiwan, China, Korea, uh, you know, you name it at that time, demo Japan, demonstrating the product, uh, you know, what could the concept could do. And we were ahead at that time, we were showing one of the first 4K display prototype based on virtual silicon. And this was way back before even 4K uh, TV existed, uh, you know, and over the years, uh, you know, necessities matter of invention, you know, we ended up, uh, you know, going back to our roots where we really know which is product. Right. And what ended up happening, you know, using this unfair advantage, this technology, this methodology that we developed, we ended up actually baking our own silicon mm -hmm. uh, with TSMC. And that chip, it turned out to be an amazing processor that whatever content you throw at it is going to clean it, enhance it and make it better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm one of these guys who I love visual experience, but I don't think that people are necessarily looking for visual experience until they get used to it. And then there was no going back. So let, let's see how that now, and terrific. How does that map then? What was the epiphany that you had to why the video game 
console category would be an interesting application of this technology. And again, if, if you're a gamer that's only about 10 or 12 years old, you don't know that the very early video game consoles back in the late 90s, early 2000s, the video game video experience was not that, that great. Mm. So there was obviously a need for that, but what kind? What was the epiphany? You know, that, that in, in all in all fairness, I mean, we were really like we were more all you know top scientists and video engineers than anything else, and mm -hmm. we were understanding more the video than the gaming, yes. right? And the fundamental difference between content that is uh, you know generated for video, uh, you know, for movies versus a game is one is computer, you know, artificially generated computer-generated content versus more natural scenery. And mm -hmm. even though the two worlds are kind of merging, Converging, right. you know, from a technology standpoint, we were coming from video. So one of the first things we really have done was, you know, we launched it a product, but now instead of just selling the chips, that's our own, our own IP, our own chip, our own technology, we ended up developing, taking the transformation of the company, developing our own, our first product. Right. right. The first product was the M cable, yes. right? And it went crazy. If you go on YouTube and you look up what uh, Linus Tech uh, did, review Linus Tech M cable, two million views on it. So let's let's describe what what okay. M cable is because M cable. So M cable, it was like he was a little bit too nerdy in the sense of a group engineers, including myself. We ended up having this amazing video processor that whatever content you throw at it is going to enhance it, is going to upscale it, HD in, 4K out. And we had the crazy idea to put it literally inside an HDMI cable okay. connector. Right. And, you know, and it was magic. Now, obviously, after all the, uh, you know, the marketing fluff around shiny cable, you go to China, you put nail polish on a, a HDMI cable connector, and all of a sudden it's going to do wonder for you. You know, you probably remember. In well, we've talked about that before, is that when I, we first kind of met about over a year ago, mm. You know, the, the, to the casual person who doesn't deep dive into this, they might confuse. They might have confused M cable with oh, is that like a monster cable? Correct. You know, I mean, I don't want to think. I don't want to. It's unfair. Of, it's a very much an unfair comparison correct. because. Correct. With, with all due respect to, to to monster cables, they make a great cable, but there's not much a big uh, much of a difference between a monster cable that's you know correct. I mean, thirty percent more me, expensive. You know, right. I, I mean, I did physics before doing engineering, and so it's really painful to tell me that by putting a nail polish connector on the on the connector that you're going to enhance the video, video quality. The video quality, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, the physics speak, right? So, uh, but it was almost too uh, too too clever, right? And uh, eventually, and we started by doing cinema, Technicolor that had, uh, you know, a hundred years old uh, company, well-known in video processing in cinema, uh, you know, and so on. They looked at our technology and very quickly they concluded that this was the only technology that recreated the content as originally uh, intended by movie directors. And all of a sudden they put their stamp on the M cable and it became 4K image certified by Technicolor. So this was a big deal for us, yes. right? But still, the product was perceived as a cable. So eventually, what we realized, we realized that there's an interesting, so from a technology standpoint, we always been highly regarded. I mean, whether you go and talk to Sharp in Japan, you go and talk to Toshiba, uh, we did deal with Pioneer, with Panasonic, we did, you know, we've done a lot of, uh, you know. Well, in, and, and to get back to the point you made a few moments ago, is that, you know, uh, M Cable, when that came out, uh, came out of the shoot, 
Correct. I mean, the industry really freaked out in terms of the uh, the, the uh, superlatives. Correct. People could not believe the performance you were getting. I mean, I know that you, you, you speak very famously of the Linus Tech um, yeah, yeah. relationship, but that's just one of many, many oh, great for reviews. Sure, for sure. But then eventually, as you know, like, I mean, you know, we... Uh, the goal here is not to sell thousands, but to sell millions. I mm -hmm. mean, if you're going to go, because we actually, as a company, we're verti vertically integrated. Mm -hmm. We are building our own product. We have our own chips. We have our own software. We have our own, you know, uh, we work with TSMC. We work with Foxconn on the assembly. We work, you know, so uh, it's not like, uh, you know, you see a lot of product company that, unfortunately, they all go to the Shenzhen or Hong Kong fair, electronic fair, and put a logo on it and call it a product. No, right. that's not what we do. We build, but once you, uh, the benefit of being able to develop real technology and, you know, you end up having highly differentiated products, but the development cost is huge. Mm. So you need to make sure that that's gonna hit the mass market. Right. So one of the things that we have to look into, it was like in terms of application. And very quickly we realized that the demand was becoming bigger and bigger for the gamers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and from one discussion to another discussion, we listened to thousands of gamers and we realized that we, have, we were in a unique position where we could be the, launching the world first plug and play, uh, you know, graphics processor for any game console. And, you know, as you understand, Mark, I mean, you know, uh, it doesn't take much to upgrade, uh, you know, it doesn't take a PhD to upgrade a PC to have better graphics performance. You can go and spend thousands because of dollars design, because and you design. get a graphics right. card and you put it into the PC, right? right. Uh, you video, know, games, video games are a different story. But if you get a game console, you know, the game console are getting renewed every seven years. And if you love your game console, you know, you cannot upgrade it. You can't open it. You can't change the graphics performance. And basically, uh, with a lot of ingenuity, and I thank the team at Marseille, I thank Foxconn, I thank a lot of people who help us to make it happen, we basically cut the cord, redesign completely the product, take the processor to another level, and all of a sudden, by simply having the M Classic, you know, we ended up having this in a form factor of an HDMI, uh, dongle, right? You plug it in the back of the game console, and all of a sudden, it transforms. Well, the it, it, let's face it. I mean, the M, um, M cable, which was a great, is a great product. Um, obviously, you know, the the, uh, the the problem that product presents for you as a manufacturer yeah, yeah. is that you had to have multiple versions of it. Um, people have HDMI cables coming out of their backside, so to speak, because yeah. they've got so many different devices in their home, and getting to a dongle type of solution was, allows you to get to a much more aggressive price point, yeah. but not only that, um, it's actually a, a somewhat um, higher performing product than the original. Correct, okay, correct. Um, which is kind of a, it's kind of a contradiction <laughs> okay. when you think about it. how can it be a lower price but better performance? But that's kind of the hallmark of the yeah. technology I mean, space. you know, I mean, from, from, from a cost of manufacturing is, is still a, a challenge to us. Sure. So we, but at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to make sure that we hit the sweet spot of the consumer, $99. Right. And we made it happen. So as you know, we did like, we launched the product on Indiegogo, uh, you know, last September. Yeah, let's talk about the campaign because that was a, that, that, that blew was me. A, the results was, blew me away. But you know, it, what, what I love about the the, the crowdfunding, like especially, I, I've been reluctant as uh, you know, Marseille has been around 2005. So you're like, hey, you know, should we go on the crowdfunded campaign? You feel like you know, you have more the image of not to stereotype or to 
you know, the entrepreneur, you know, in, the, in his garage or in his basement or mom basement trying to do something. Uh, change you know. the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's just a vision. And, it's, and, and, and unfortunately, it's true. There's a lot of company or a lot of entrepreneurs that goes on those platforms and they don't deliver. They don't mm -hmm. deliver the product. It's just promises, right? Uh, but one thing that was really unique about going on Indiegogo was, you know, once for all, whether we like it or not, we wanted to know, are we building the right product? Right. You know, let's be real. I mean, what's the point to spend millions of dollars and so on and so on? And in record time, we got about like uh, uh, 8,000 backers. We sold more than 10,000 in Classic. We right. got amazing feedback. And, you know... Uh, on the product, eventually we deliver the product, we got the performance back and we fine tune the product that, you know, like uh, the, and what ended up happening, you end up learning at best really, uh, you know, what your customers want. Right. And you know, what you realize, you realize that we had three category of, uh, of, uh, of customers. We had a retro gamer and they love the product. Like, you know, they will take, uh, uh, you know. Um, Let's define like, that though. So, uh, what, what, what is a retro gamer? A GameCube, a Dreamcast, you know, 20 years old, uh, 15 years old. Yeah, exactly. And then we get more value Ex out of it. Exactly. It's still and, kicking. And, and for there, them, are there are games for it that are not available. Correct. The current so, models. You know, and you know, you've got a lot of the millennium who are now having money in the pocket and you know what, you've got a flashback. Mm -hmm. Dude, if I can, you know, and we've done some amazing, there's an interesting video that went on YouTube. You probably remember, Mark, there was uh, at a one point in time, there's a partnership that was going to, that actually Sony and Nintendo decided to build a game console together. Mm -hmm. And very few, uh, the project never went into mass production and it, very few prototype end up existing in the world. One of them got acquired by, uh, you know, um, uh, a US, uh, you know, one, one, one dude in, in, uh, in US. And, uh, you know, what ended up happening by accident, we happened to bump into each other at a retro gaming conference and we plugged the M Classic into this <laughs> platform who is like maybe 30 years old or more now. Right. And, you know, and it was a magical moment when, mm. when, when he realized what we could do to a 30 years old, 30 years old uh, game console you know, transforming the color and by simply having this uh, little dongle, the M Classic plug in the back of the console, it was magic. I mean, and uh, seeing is believing. If you go on YouTube and you look at the, t you know, his, you see his reaction and you see him speaking about this, this product, uh, it was incredible. Actually, as a matter of fact, there's an auction on that console right now for a million dollars. He refused <laughs> it, you know. So again, for me, a $99 device that uh, helped all the minimum kids, you know, re-experience, you know, some of the games that you were playing 15, 20 years ago on a modern display. That's where we come in. So the right. idea behind is that is how do you make retro again relevant on a modern display? Right. You probably remember, and that's how we actually got started into the MK. Well, and, and that's, you know, I was going to get into this in a second. Yeah. The, the thing that's really... I won't say that I won't use the word disturbing. Well, I will use the word disturbing. Is that you know, you know today the uh, 4K mo uh, televisions have come down dramatically in price. I mean, you can buy a super duper 65 inch. This is not the days when you when my yeah, first yeah. plasma TV. It was plasma based because I didn't want I want I wanted the dark darks. Awesome, it was like a pioneer it? plasma 65. It was it wasn't even 65 inch. It was 60 I still inch. think that that TV is amazing. And, and, and it was six grand. Uh -huh. You know now you can buy a 65 inch. My favorite brand is TC. 
they just make super smart TVs. Uh-huh. They have the, their their eight series, which is their new micro LED TV, mm-hmm. um, and it's like fifteen hundred bucks That's for a 65, 65 inch. But the, the the point I'm trying to make here, um, as I labor to it, is that. Um, you could have the best TV in the world, and without some type of uh, solution like the the, uh, quali- yeah. the, the, quali- the the video quality actually looks really really bad if it's not upscaled. But, you know, this is this is how we got started in delivering the product, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what ended up happening is one of our first customer uh, launched aggressively in US it was Psyche at the time, 4K TV. When 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 Sony launched the first initial first 4K TVs, they were five thousand dollars. Psyche come on the market. For, with a 4K TV for $1,000. Mm-hmm. And in US, the you know, consumer, they're like, what? This is dirt cheap at that time. You, know, you must be kidding. A 4K TV for $1,000. I mean, this is worth connected to my PC, connected to multiple things. And very quickly, the feedback that Psyche received from the TV they were selling is like, you know, the reviews, they were really bad because they were saying, yeah, as long as you have 4K content, it looks amazing. But the moment you, you put real world content, pardon my French, you look like shit. Yes. You know, no. I mean, you know, that's what this it podcast is. podcast is rated PG. You can say that word. <laughs> that's good. That's cool. That's cool. But, but, but you know, and, we, you know the, and the analogous situation, you know, you know, you know, I've talked about this before, is, you know, watch SD content. You walk low. You uh, walk uh, an, an SD channel on your cable system on yeah. a 4K TV. Yeah. It looks lousy. And the, the, mm. so the, the, this, is, this is why, this is where we're coming in the picture of Marseille is that, at the end of the day, we're getting bigger and bigger resolution display, higher and higher detail on mm-hmm. it are showing. So what ended up happening, you know, when we trans the transition between HD to 4K, what, what ended up happening, you end up realizing that, you know, some HD content on an HD TV looks actually better than HD on a 4K. And, you know, go and try DVD on HD TV versus DVD on an early model of 4K TV, it was looking Terrible. Why? Because all of a sudden you start to notice detail that you didn't notice. And you know something that I, um, I uh, people don't realize, but you know we all experience to get on, for example, on top of a rooftop and you look at scenery. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you take your camera, you capture, and what you capture is not what you saw. Right. Because the brain is constantly computing information, mm-hmm. and where Marseille is uh, is. Uh, is really focusing on saying, you know, like all this missing pixel, all this detail that you're, that you're missing, that's how can we give justice to the content that is not in, uh, you know, in the a, in a, in a, in a, in a content itself because it's been either degraded as a result of technology for compression because of the cost of delivery and so on and so on. And that's where we come in. Right. And we do the same for gaming. We do the same for, for video, for cinema and so on and so on. So. Uh, that problem statement was there 20 years ago and it will be there in 20 years because at the end of the day, every year we realize that we can enjoy way more than we thought that we could. Right. You know, once you get, once your eyes get spoiled, it's very hard. And you know, we've been around, I've been in Silicon Valley for more than 20 years now and every year we have the same debate. Do you really need DVD? Do you really need HD? Do you really need 4K? Do you really need 8K? The reality is like the brain love to have you know the choice of selecting information sure and be able and that's what and that's what defined the the experience and for gamer you know it's always a compromise between the speed the frame rate the resolution itself and the definition of the pixel and marseille comes in as an add-on processor and it's basically we made the impossible possible by having 
replacing the graphics card that you have in a game console by simply having a plug and play, you know, dongle for $99 and right. all of a sudden you quit your system. So, well, and I got to tell you, it's, it's too bad this is just an audio podcast because you really have to, you, you, I think that the phrase you used before, seeing is believing, is absolutely it. Um, I encourage people who have uh, listened to this podcast, please go to the Marseille website, which is... Marseilleinc.com, which is like the same as the French city, <laughs> M-A-R-S-E-I-L-L-E. Inc.com and 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 the uh, Amin and his team have done a terrific job of really doing some great before and after videos that you have to watch. Uh, that you'll see it, it's a very it's it's almost a jarring difference between the two. So I wish we had more time to discuss this, but I, I will tell you that I think I sold a few of them for you because when I was home for the holidays, I've got some nephews and uh, nieces, and they're all video game That's cool. aficionados. And once they saw this, I think they thought it was the coolest thing you could um, you could uh, they could get their hands on. But I mean, thank you for joining today's podcast. You're very welcome. I appreciate your time. Uh, please follow more insights and strategy on our usual social media suspect partners, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week.